Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> show in the world between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. <clears throat> and, of course, welcome to all of our affiliate radio stations right across this great land of the United States of America. Marca, my minions, you will pay homage to me for the next two hours. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente. I am the great one. I am the one that you come to to seek knowledge from. I am the one who will provide that knowledge to you. Stick around for the next two hours. If you would like to also engage with us, 917-889-8516 is my Give me a ring, ding, and we'll be glad to uh, jump on board with you and talk with you about whatever topic may be on your mind, may, that you have soul-searching going on today We've got a good show on tap for you today it is well we'll call it our official unofficial teaser get ready we're going to be talking about it some more but we're going to go ahead and call it the balance 2018 college football preview our executive producer rick riggan will be joining us in the second hour to talk about well we got a poll up on on the balance be talking about that. We're going to be talking about college football. College football is back. Uh, also, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest going to be joining us here in about 25 minutes uh, to talk with us a little bit about NASCAR. NASCAR up in New Hampshire doing a little lobster fishing. See what, what we can pan out from up there. We're going to get the insight from him. Of course, he is uh, the editor in chief. Uh, and our official—he's the editor in chief of Speedway Digest, and our official NASCAR contributor, IndyCar. Uh, on a break this week, they'll be headed out to Mid Ohio next week, uh, which is always a good race there. And certainly, we'll do a little recapping and talking a little bit from uh, the Toronto race last week. MLB All Stars uh, break is is done, so we are in the second half of the season. And uh, we've got to see what's going on. We're also going to be talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. We're uh, going to be kind of uh, walking around the world of sports. So I'm telling you, my minions, stick around. It's only going to get good from here. My name is Tom Marquisel, President of 918985. We'll be right back. Tonight.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Balance. My name is Tom Marksell, Presidente. 917 is our digits. I do want to get to some IndyCar talk. We will get to it, I promise. But I, I, I am just 
you know, I'm kind of like on the fence here. Do I want to make fun of the situation? Do I not really care? Or is there a deeper thing going on here in San Francisco? (laughs) Perhaps maybe you saw, heard, if you follow sports like some sort of a, uh, a program robot like myself, you you probably saw this story. Uh, if you're a, a casual sports person or don't follow football very much at all, you may not have saw this story or saw it and it didn't mean anything to you. So without further ado, without further ado, how many people here with a raise of hands, virtual raise of hand, obviously, um, knows who Let's see if I can say this name right. Who is Carrera Mia? K-I-A-R-A-M-I-A? Does anybody know? I would say most people don't know. If you do know, well, (laughs) we know what kind of a person you are. No, I'm just kidding. Carrera well, Mia, the girl, is a porn star, apparently a very well-known porn star, maybe even bigger than Stormy Daniels. Who ever heard of Stormy Daniels till Donald Trump, right? But that's a whole other story for a whole other show. Well, 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 well. Your $120 million quarterback for San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, out on the town in Beverly Hills, people, above all places, with one Kiera Mia, porn star, and um, several films. I did my research, um, and let's just say she has been in several adult film stars films okay if that's your gig if that's your scene okay now keep in mind that Jimmy Garoppolo is just a youngster I believe he's 22 23 years old well anyway he's in his early to mid 20s and um, $120 some odd million dollars a year. Certainly, uh, how do I say this without, without sounding um, the wrong way? He's a handsome fella. Uh, I'm sure that he's quite charming. He could get any woman in the world. Heck, your girlfriend would probably leave you if he, if she, if Jimmy Garoppolo said, "Hey, uh, you want to go out on a date?" Your wife may even leave you. Now, this is where it gets, this is where it gets really porny, if you will. Yeah, no pun intended. Uh, uh, this um, Carrera, Kiera, Kiera, I think that's how how we're saying it. Kiera. Mia is like 41 years old. Jimmy Garoppolo takes Kia Marrera, adult film store, 
Could have taken her anywhere, I guess, but takes her to Beverly Hills, to one of the nicest restaurants in Beverly Hills. I would think, knowing full well, that that's one of the hot spots of TMZ. <laughs> so don't think you're going to go strolling in there with an adult porn star and being the the face of the franchise of the San Francisco 49ers and uh, be walking in there and nobody's going to take notice. <laughs> oh, just another couple having dinner. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> so Jimmy got himself a MILF. Look it up, kids. Look it up. If you don't know what it is, look it up. We won't go into the details of the definition of a MILF, but it goes right in hand in hand with the porn star. Now, I guess it's not that big of a deal. You know, he, he, here's, here's uh, a couple ways to look at it. Not that big of a deal. Nothing to see here. Move on. Two consenting adults. Neither one of them are married to my knowledge. Who cares? Or... If you're the CEO, owner, manager of the San Francisco 49ers, and you see your $120 million quarterback touting around uh, Beverly Hills with a woman twice his age that just so happens to be a porn star, and now everybody's talking about your $120 million quarterback because he took her to the – Best restaurant in Beverly Hills. Are you questioning your decision to bring on Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe not. Maybe you're okay with it. Now, it might go into, uh, you could also have the line of thinking, is this is this guy... Making good decisions. Let, let's face it. Uh, he is the face of the franchise. Most quarterbacks are. That's relatively normal. Most quarterbacks are the face of the franchise. Do you want the face of your franchise walking around with the MILF in Beverly Hills? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't care. I'd be curious to, to hear the thoughts uh, of fans, but I, you know, I and I guess you know, us sports people, we've got to have something to talk about. Uh, TMZ provides us some content, so we're gonna we we, we should we should at least uh, you know bring it up. But Jimmy Garoppolo, Forty uh, Nine ers quarterback, uh, are they dating, or is this just kind of a thing? Was this just a thing? Are, 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 is Jimmy Garoppolo going to bring? home, uh, Kiera, uh, to uh, the family Thanksgiving dinner and say, hey, mom and pops, look at who I meet. Might get a high five from dad, but I don't know that mom's going to like it too well. (laughs) That's my boy. Yeah, that's my boy. (laughs) That may happen. But I I think what we saw was a young... We won't say impressionable. That's 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 an overrated used word for a guy that's a quarterback in the NFL. But a younger guy uh, is like, yeah, look at me, people. Look what I can do. I can do anything in the world. I own the world. And maybe that was some sort of braggadocious uh, 
uh, move by Jimmy Garoppolo. Or maybe uh, the rest of us guys who couldn't get a porn star unless we paid for it, uh, I mean, buy the film, uh, are a little like, uh, jealous maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not jealous. I just think the story is comical. And when you look at uh, Kiera Mia's uh, Instagram uh, the other day, there was a, a picture of her um, uh with her hair doing something with her hair, but she's like, is it date night? Four seasons, here we come. <laughs> so you think the TMZ is not going to pick up on that. <laughs> well, guess what? TMZ had people parked outside the restaurant. Oh, wait for it. Wait for it. This might be predictable. But TMZ also had people outside the Four Seasons Motel. Jimmy Garoppolo and this uh, uh, gal by the name of Kira Mia uh, goes to a very nice restaurant in Beverly Hills. Have a few bottles of wine and enjoy a meal. Get Leave said restaurant. Get into a vehicle, a chauffeured vehicle together. Jimmy Garoppolo hand in hand with his milk. Big uh, smile on his face. I wait for it. TMZ sees the same vehicle pull inside the front lobby area of the Four Seasons Motel. Oh, wait for it. Going to be predictable. Jimmy Garoppolo and Kia. Kiera Mia get out of said vehicle and enter the Four Seasons Hotel. <laughs> Again, you know, maybe we're just looking for something to talk about. But that's where it should have started. That's where it should have ended. If you're the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, order you a nice room service from uh, 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 the Four Seasons, some bottles of wine, do your thing, and pew! You don't go touting your mill around Beverly Hills, Jimmy. Not if you're the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. People's going to talk. Not like you're going to write home, hey, Mom, guess who I met? Hey, Mom, guess who's coming over for Thanksgiving dinner? Well, essentially, that's what Jimmy Garoppolo did with uh, said uh, adult film star, Uh to the fans of San Francisco, to the organization of San Francisco, to the people who just paid him $120 million to be the face of their franchise. That's essentially what Jimmy Garoppolo did when he took his MILF to a very, very plush restaurant in Beverly Hills. That's what he did. What are your thoughts? Maybe I'm just totally, totally off base here. Maybe I'm just, you know, hey, looking for something to talk about. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six. My digits, so you can tweet at that T Balance. But uh, if you're a San Francisco 49er fan, and you and your quarterback is spotted on a date with an adult film star, what are your thoughts? Maybe you don't care. After all, you do live in San Francisco, so maybe you don't care. <laughs> I know, that was a jab. You caught me. That was a jab. My fault. 
So, yeah, TMZ spotted the duo during the date and reportedly uh, leaving the restaurant arm-in-arm, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, according to uh, TMZ, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had a big old smile on his face. <sighs> I, You know, again, two consenting adults, who cares, right? I just think, in, in, not that it's... Not that it really matters per se. I mean, it is what it is. But Tierra posts on her Instagram date night. I mean, come on. You're Jimmy Garoppolo. You just dated Alexandria uh, King. If that doesn't boost your ego right there, everybody knows you can get whatever woman you want. I wouldn't say touting your mill down Beverly Hills is the best thing to do, is the best in this, this, uh, decision making to do. Now, I'm not saying that affects your to play on the field. I'm not saying that that comes into play with your decision making on the field because it certainly does not. I'm not saying that you're you're a grown man. You're not married to my knowledge. You're not breaking any laws. That you could go out with whoever you want. And, and, and maybe it would even be a bigger issue if he was trying to hide it. I don't know. I don't know. That's what that's what that's what Mark Cuban said. And when you hire somebody, I don't know. I just think that maybe, and maybe we're all overthinking it. Again, uh, you know, it's Saturday morning. It's 925 in the morning, which means about five minutes when we talk with Steve Wilson for Speedway Digest. We're going to get off of this this topic. I, I really went off on the weeds, didn't I? I? I meant to get into some IndyCar talk. I haven't forgot you, though. We'll, we'll, we'll catch. We'll circle back around. It's a story. People are talking about it. Obviously, Garoppolo isn't the first athlete to uh, be involved with someone from the adult film industry. Justin Brent dated Lisa, Lisa Allen, wasn't it? Remember Justin Brent from Notre Dame? I think he was a, a friend at Notre Dame when he did. I, I, we'll ask Rick Reagan about that uh, when he comes comes on here in about 30 minutes, our executive producer. He's a big Notre Dame person. I think that same, uh, I think that same um, porn star also uh, went out with Heinz Ward. Even Jeff uh, Heisman, Hushman, Heisman from Ohio State. <laughs> San Francisco's QB gets a MILF. Uh, maybe that's the maybe he's adult, uh, auditioning for the next film that she's going to be in, uh, NFL MILF Part Twenty or something. My name is Sam Marcos El Presidente. We'll be back right here in just a moment. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna change gears, no pun intended, uh, uh, to NASCAR talk. I'll be talking with Steve Wilson for Speedway Digest. The uh, the gang's up in New Hampshire. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Tonight. 
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Marcus, President. Hey. We are back. 
And uh, we're getting ready to jump into some NASCAR talk with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. Make sure you go to the ballots. Still got a little time to vote on our poll. Uh, we'll be talking about it here in the next hour uh, with all the college football coach as can't changes. Who has the best chance of early success? Is it uh, Frost out at Nebraska, uh, Jimbo Fisher at uh, A&M, uh, Taggart at Florida State, or Purd at Tennessee? Go vote right now. Uh, uh, Frost from Nebraska running away with the uh, with the uh, the tally there. So we'll be talking with Riggin, executive producer of the ballots, uh, as we get into our college football preview coming up here in the next uh, half hour. But joining us now is Steve Wilson, uh, editor in chief of uh, Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. How are you doing, sir? Well, I'm all congested up today, so you all have to bear with me. We'll, we'll bear with you. It's it's quite okay. I totally uh, understand. I, I totally, uh, totally get it. Uh, so um, you're ready for some college football. We're going to be talking about some college football. I know you're a big uh, Florida State fan. What are your thoughts? Well, I'd like to see what Coach Willie is going to do here this year. Um, it's a changeover. It's a quick changeover. Um, you know Jimbo Fisher going out there to A&M, as you've already talked about. I mean, he followed the money um, and left a lot of people behind. So, um, you know, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he can build this team up. It was a quick hire for them. But he's had some time to go out there and try and uh, make some changes out there. He's brought some new people in, some people with him. He kept some of the old staff there, too. So um, I, it's going to be a rebuilding year for Florida State, I think. We've gone through this before. We'll go through this again. So uh, hopefully, you know, by next year we should have a pretty decent team. Not that we won't be bad this year, but I always feel every time there's a change over there at Florida State, there's at least that one uh, to two-year changeover period before we're back at the top of the mountain again. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor. Now, Steve, uh, um, I, I know you, you, were, you weren't able to be with us last week, but uh, certainly we talked uh, uh, a little bit about the, the Quaker State 400. Uh, certainly a good race out there in Kentucky. Always a good race in, in Kentucky. Uh, give us a recap of that race, and we'll get into the uh, uh, Foxwoods Resort Casino 301 uh, going on tomorrow up there in New Hampshire for the lobster. But uh, talk to us a little bit about what you saw and your takeaways from the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart down in Kentucky. Well, Martin Drew, actually, he went out there and did his thing, as we've seen in the past at these mile-and-a-half mile racetracks. Um, started up front there. Won all the stages, ended up winning the race. I think it was a little bit of a surprise, um, to be honest with you, because we've seen some people in the past that's been really good at Kentucky. We've seen uh, Brad Kozlowski and others that have been good there. But unfortunately, they just couldn't compete with Martin Truex Jr. doing his thing there. Um, You know, this is something that we've become used to, again, at these mile, mile and a half racetracks with this furniture row racing. And especially with Martin Trustree, he seemed to figure out how to work these stages to his advantage while other teams are, you know, I know we've got uh, Kevin Herbert, Kyle Bush up there as the top three right now, but there's something that these mile, mile and a half racetracks that, you know, Martin Trustree, Colburn, and that entire furniture road racing team has seemed to figure out on, you know, getting maximum amount of points at these events. <laughs> 
Well, absolutely. Now, talk with us a little bit about what you're seeing. Now, Martin Truex Jr. obviously was a winner last week in, in, in Kentucky, and, and he's, he's figured, as you mentioned, figured out a way to, to get the point standing. Um, I, and certainly a lot of people are also talking about that maybe his future with Furniture Row uh, is in doubt, but what, what have they got figured out there? Well, I think that they've just figured a lot of things out that, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing, since they've become a Joe Gibbs Racing partner and satellite team, they've been getting not only engines and cars and technical, um, you know, technical help from those, uh, from that side of the house. But for them internally, it seems like Cole Pern has just figured something out that others are not looking at right now. Um, Ford right now has got, you know, uh, Kevin Harvick and, you know, Rodney Jones. They they seem to have figured some things out that others aren't. But, you know, furniture road racing as a whole, it's taken them some time, really, honestly, to get to this point. They were a mid-pack team, you think, five or six years ago. I mean, they had only won Glen Race in the Southern 500 with Regan Smith across their entire uh, existence. But... Then they bring on, they make some changes, they bring in Martin Truex Jr. after this uh, Michael Waltrip racing debacle that they ended up having to close down. They bring in Cole Pern. They they start building the team up, but then they go to Joe Gibbs Racing, and then that seems to propel them into orbit somehow. It seems just with them working together, and everybody is firing on all eight cylinders right now regardless. Um, but that team... I, I think the stages have worked to their advantage. I think that they've figured some of these things out, and I think they've put a lot of stock into these mile, mile and a half racetracks that we run a majority of the schedule across, and that's where they seem to be pinning a lot of their hopes and dreams on the future. And certainly it worked in 2017. You know, Martin Truex Jr., the defending champion coming into this year, and this year he comes in and, you know, he's he's on the same kind of, you know, it seems like the same kind of playing field that he was last year. He goes to some of these smaller tracks. He goes to like something like a Daytona. He goes to Martinsville or Richmond, and they don't seem to run as well as the others do, but they go to these mile-mile half racetracks, and I think that's where they've pinned their entire existence on right now. Not that that's a bad thing because that's where we're running a majority of these events, but and especially because we end the year on a mile-and-a-half racetrack. But they, they've just, you know, they've figured this thing out, both on the car and engineering, um, you know, driver points, stages. I mean, they've just checked all the boxes off at these, at, at these racetracks. We're talking with Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. Follow him at Speedway Digest. Uh, before we get into more talk down there in Lon- at London, New Hampshire, about the, the uh, Lobster Trophy, uh, we're talking you know, in more detail about Martin Truex. i clarify what I said about his uh, future in doubt. He says he's going to stick around with Furniture Row no matter what, but uh, uh, they're losing their, their primary sponsor. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Five Hour Hour Energy, I believe, said they will not be coming back. Uh, and so that, that kind of leaves them without a sponsor. You've got a NASCAR champion out there uh, riding on the car without a, a sponsor. People's going to come and knock, and people's going to come and offer it. And I know his intent as well, and I know he, he has to give good lip service because, hey, he is uh, he is the face of Furniture Row Racing. Uh, but uh, if they don't get things taken, taken care of, uh, 
uh, Money Talks, because you just talked a little bit about Jimbo Fisher, and, and uh, maybe Martin Truex Jr. says, I'm going to follow the money. I need to do what's good for me. I need to do what's good for my career, my family, and so forth. Uh, I wish I could stick around, but I can't. Say la vie. What are your thoughts? Well, I think even before, you know, this is really the first year and even last year that Bernie Vister that owns the team has had nearly a fully funded or a fully funded car. Every year or every race prior to, to about the last 18 months or so, um, he's run his own business on the side of that car. He's, um, you know, he's had some associate sponsorships, but in the last 18 months or so, and especially with their performance of winning events and winning, you know, the championship in the end of 2017, that kind of brought on a whole lot of people that, you know, had not been looking at that team. They've got auto owners on there. That's a, a big one for them. They've got Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. That's another big one for them. They've got Tracker Boats, which is a big one for them. So they've got a, a pretty deep house of sponsorship. Uh, of course, you know, Five Hour Energy has been with that team, and they kind of moved over with that team. It fully funded and sponsored uh, Eric Jones' event last year, and this year they came back to do a smaller type deal with Furniture Row Racing, where they are the primary on a handful of events, but they are an associate on the rest of the events. I think for them, just with furniture, with um, sorry, with the uh, Five Hour Energy, Five Hour Energy is honestly not looking to spend that kind of money. They're looking for a small mid-pack type team where the budget is not going to be as high as a uh, as a champion. Sure, it looks good for them as five-hour energy to be on this team, to watch them run up front, to watch them win races, to have a champion in their pocket, but that also comes with a pretty high financial commitment at the same time, and, uh, and that's not really what they've been looking for. They've never seemed to be in this sport at the top of the field. They've never sought out a, a Joe Gibbs, a, a Hendrick, a, you know, a, a, you know, Penske racing or anything like that. They've sought out these mid-pack teams like wall trip racing. They moved over to furniture row when they were still a mid-pack. And of course that financial commitment grows. The more you win, not only races, but championships. So for them, that's just a small loss in their pocket. And I think that with, with with a champion like they are or with the way they're running, to fill those gaps in there is not going to be a problem. And not only that, if they have to go back, Barney Vister has to go back and run Furniture Row on the side of that race car for five or eight races a year, I don't think he's going to care. I think he's going to continue to give Martin Truex Jr. exactly what he wants going forward. Well, we we hope so. I know they've got a good working relationship. I'm sure it would be a hard decision for him to make if he if he ever made that decision. But certainly, one has to think that uh, that that can only be sustainable for so long. Let's kind of walk through the series. The truck series had a race on the on Wednesday night out at Tony's Track in Eldora. Obviously, that's a real popular race. A lot of people like to go to it. Uh, Ch- uh, Chase uh, Briscoe uh, pulled off the win there. Certainly, I uh, like the attention, national attention, and the the media that the, that the Camping World Truck Series is getting. Uh, and compared to other years, I think we can see a, a huge improvement. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, networks are somewhat happy uh, with the ratings that they're getting back from the truck races. So it's good that people are paying attention to the truck races. So I always want to make sure that we talk about them as much as we can. But Chase Briscoe uh, uh, pulled off the win, the checkered flag there in Eldora. What are your thoughts? 
I, Chase Briscoe needed something to change his season around. He's had a tough season bouncing back and forth, not only between Roush Racing in the Xfinity Series, but Penske um, also. Um, he's not he's been caught up in some incidents and not been running as well. So this kind of, I think can jumpstart his, the second half of the season for him going back to the truck series. He kind of gets that win. It's a very popular win. People start looking at him and maybe he can start pulling together some sponsorship for these two cars that he's been running for in the Xfinity series. Eldora is a popular race. It's become a popular race over the last couple of years. Social media engagement is very high for this. Television ratings are very high for this. But unfortunately, like everything else, the fans aren't coming out there um, as you know we've seen. You know, every year the the attendance kind of uh, uh, declines, and, and that's just not indicative of Eldora because I don't care what track you go to; it's the same thing. But you know. It is still a fairly popular event. It probably is one of the more popular events on the on the circuit right now. And, you know, for Tony Stewart to be able to go out there and pull this thing together and pull this on for the last six years is pretty amazing because it had been something like 40 years prior to that before the any series in NASCAR had run on dirt. So for them out there at a door, um, you know, they, they, they get to see a lot of different drivers come from many different disciplines of racing, everything from NASCAR, obviously, but from uh, dirt track modified sprint cars and all kinds of other things that come out there to get to showcase their talent. And some of those like, um, you know, um, uh, 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 Dave Seavey that was running there at the beginning um, and for majority of the race in the lead, he's one of those guys that came down from uh, dirt track, um, dirt track racing, and kind of showed up the field a little bit until you know the late race caution kind of came out, and then that you know bunched everybody up, and um, you know Chase Briscoe would go on and win the event. Uh, you know, well, the second point to this is is that Tony Stewart said over the weekend and since the race that you know they. You know, they, they, they're looking they, – they said that they would look forward if NASCAR would bring the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series there to a dirt track. And he said something to along the lines about fans need to put pressure on NASCAR. Well, Kyle Larson kind of responded to that this weekend, and this probably may shock a lot of people, which Kyle Larson goes and runs – somewhere around 30, 40, 50 dirt races a year, um, he said that he doesn't see any reason that we should go put the cup cars on a dirt track, that, you know, they're made for asphalt. It's an expensive proposition for them to build one car per year to go and run a one race. And I think he's right to some extent. We're already having cost-cutting problems in NASCAR. We're looking for every way that we can cut costs. And for them to have to go buy, you know, build a $450,000 race machine just to go run one race per year on, um, I, I think that's a financial investment that's going to be hard for the teams. And secondly, um, Eldora at this point is kind of that special race. It's a special race that we get to go mm-hmm. to once a year. And it hasn't clouded the market with, um, you know, oh, well, now we're going to put everything else on it. And uh, the Xfinity and the Cup Series are going to just become a carbon copy. I think it's just it, it separates the Truck Series to a degree. And it lets those guys go out there and be the Truck Series for one race or one event per year. 
I agree. Uh, obviously, Kyle Larson, not a fan of NASCAR uh, riding on, on uh, dirt, but Tony Stewart most definitely would be, uh, obviously, as being owner uh, or at least chief owner uh, of the track out there in Eldora. Let's move over to New Hampshire. Uh, Xfinity race, uh, obviously, fast in practice. Ryan Truex, Brad Kowalski, uh, Christopher Bell, Justin Allgaier, uh, Austin Dillon, and John Hunter. Name a check. Talk with us a little bit about the challenges of New Hampshire uh, and what are the Xfinity teams they, uh, doing to get ready for the race. Uh, that's this afternoon at four o'clock up there in New Hampshire. Well, both Xfinity and Cup Series tomorrow, they're going to have some trouble with breaking. This is a this is a Martinsville, an extended type of Martinsville. It's a very flat track with long straightaways out there. So they're going to get even higher speeds up there in the 160s or so in the speeds, and then they're going to have to jam this thing down to about 90 miles an hour to get around these turns. Brakes are a concern. Brakes have always been a problem there. We see a lot of people go there into turn one. They are brakes not running, you know, um, you know, go to the full board, and they just go up into the wall. So we get a lot of incidents that way. They're going to have to survive that. It, it's a lot of braking, a lot of acceleration, all at the same time, G-forces for these drivers that they're going to experience. But today and tomorrow is um is the load the g forces and the loads on these cars are definitely gonna gonna pit them a man versus machine to some degree they're all gonna have to take care of this tires are always an ex- uh always an issue where we've seen t- tires in the past go out because of the load rates that are put down on on the cars and for for teams they're they're just gonna have to be mindful of this they're gonna have to make their adjustments it's gonna be a long race for them today and tomorrow. Well, absolutely. Kurt Busch gets P1 out there for tomorrow's race. Let's break down the big boys Monster Energy uh, Cup Series uh, racing for the Lobster, sir, uh, up there in New Hampshire. See, I gotta, I gotta use the lingo, New Hampshire. Uh, you know, also uh, getting off in the weeds just a little bit, but it feels kind of weird uh, that here we are getting toward the end of July. We're not talking about the brickyard in Indianapolis, obviously, because it's moved back uh, further on in the year. A little weird for us here in Indianapolis, uh, but certainly uh, 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 NASCAR moves on to the series, and I, I think there was a lot of reasons for that change, and we'll see how that affects. I, I mean, really, I would like to see the attendance get boosted here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That's certainly a classic race that a lot of people, but it just, for whatever reason, it's just kind of took a nosedive as far as attendance goes. So maybe moving it later on. Unfortunately, it bumps up on opening day uh, with the cold. So uh, how that split between locals uh, as far as diehard NASCAR fans and diehard uh, Colts fans, especially those that are both like myself, which decision do they make? I, I plan on to be at the race, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, that that's going to be a, a factor as well. So hopefully uh, that NASCAR can get this figured out with Indianapolis. Would hate to see uh, Indianapolis lose this race. I don't think they're in any danger of that, but at the same time, uh, I think across the board, we're seeing uh, the, the fans base just kind of declined from what we've seen in years past so hopefully nascar uh, begins to take uh, initiative to, to turn that around like indycar has been very successful and being able to do uh as as we're seeing their numbers go up unfortunately with nascar we're seeing numbers go down if you can feel free to comment on that but that was just a side comment uh but certainly uh, i believe kurt bush got the p1 uh spot there in london so talk with us about uh, uh that you may have sir 
Well, in respect to Indianapolis, if 65 or 70,000 people show up at Indianapolis, which seems to be about average of a lot of these races these days, everybody could have their own, you know, their own road to themselves, and the place looks dead <laughs> because, you know, the true. place is designed to hold 350,000 people. So you stick 60 or 70,000 people in that place, and it looks like there's nobody there. Um, so, you know, there's always that at the same time. It's not that sometimes people aren't showing up. It's that, you know, that place isn't designed to hold 60,000, so it looks bad to some degree. Now, as far as the Xfinity Series event there, um, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, we, we've seen, you know, that that has paid off to any degree. Um, what was it, last year, year before, what did they say? Maybe 100 people showed up to that thing. Um, so, bad. you know, that's, that's not really – yeah, that's. I mean, that's not good for Indianapolis. That's not good for the Xfinity Series. That's not good for the sport in general. I know a lot of people were angry they that they moved away from IRP, and yeah, exactly. uh, maybe it's, that a return back there should be, uh, you know, a priority. Well, absolutely, and I think everybody has said that. I, I know I'm a homer here. It's no longer IRP. It's a Lucas Oil Raceway, uh, obviously very well known for NHR in, in, the, in the U.S. Nationals there, uh, which is their Indianapolis 500, if you will, by, or Daytona 500, uh, but it's at that track. But, yeah, to, to take that away, and then they had the truck series there, too, to take that away as well. It, it, it was kind of a, you know, if you're a homer like me here in Indianapolis, it was kind of a, a shot in the gut here. So let's get back on track, no pun intended. Uh, uh, talk with us a little bit about what does NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series uh, have to do? Who are you looking at? Uh, what are your dark horses? What are the challenges? What are the strategies uh, for London tomorrow? London, New Hampshire, that is. I'm liking Joe Zagano right at this moment. He's won up there multiple times, and um, he seemed to figure some things out there over the years in this Penske car. Kurt Busch, most definitely him being back up front again. I mean, that shows that this team is kind of turning around, but they still don't have a win this year. They need a win. Um, and I think they should throw everything to the wind and try and get that, you know, that win. I mean, they're secured in the top 16 right at this moment, but they don't have a whole lot of playoff points. They don't have a lot to carry them through once we get past Indianapolis um, this year where the cutoff is going to be. And to go back to, you know, Andy for a minute, um, Kurt Busch, that team need to kind of turn this thing around. Sure, they've had this uh, second pole of the season for them and first time up in New Hampshire, but they need to kind of start at this point throwing everything to the wind. They're either going to win these races or they're going to collect some points, and I think that's where they're getting to the point right now because they need every point that they can get. Um, you know, I think Martin Shores Jr., again, he's, a, he's won there last year, and I think that, again, these mile-mile and half racetracks play right into his uh, and that team's uh, pocket, and this is what they're looking for. They look for these events when they come to them. It races like a short track, but you get a lot of speeds like an intermediate track, so I think it's a combination of a lot of different drivers are going to have an opportunity. But they're going to have to, again, they're going to have to worry about these load rates of being put on the tires and braking issues that are that are going to be a persistent problem throughout the day. Talking about Kurt Busch, I know he's he's looking for a new deal with uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Obviously, he's the uh, primary uh, driver uh, there uh, for uh, Stuart Haas. Uh, what what look at Kurt Busch uh, looking for a new deal that would keep uh, keep him in the Stuart Haas Racing fold? Um, 
as Monster Energy again on board with the uh, primary primary energy. I mean, primary sponsor. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, you think they're going to get that done? Well, they put together this deal for this year, and they're working towards hopefully something in the future. Monster Energy said something here about a week or something back that they were, you know, still in conversations with Stuart Hawks Racing. Um, they were happy with what Kurt Busch is doing and the brand that he brings with them and how he markets the brand that he they feel like he fits in very well with that. And, um, you know, if they're going to move forward onto this, Monster Energy after this year only has a one-year deal. So if they decide to do another one-year deal, I think that's where we're maybe possibly going to at this moment. I mean, he's not running bad at all. He's running fairly decent, but... He just doesn't have those wins, and he just doesn't have these stage points. And, you know, I think that plays into a lot of decisions sometimes. But, again, Monster Energy isn't, you know, Monster Energy may be on the the Cup Series, the Premier Series in NASCAR. But, again, they, they're not um, – they're another sponsor that seems to – look for cheaper alternative and cheaper routes to do things. They have very unconventional marketing and marketing dollars than we would see with a Coca-Cola or we see with like an Axoletta or somebody like that. They seem to like um, these drivers that run just well enough that they can make a name and can market, but at the same time, it doesn't cost them, you know, a Joe Gibbs or Hendrick type of uh, marketing budget. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Final word here, final thought. Uh, Ty Dillon, Little Dillon, as we as we affectionately refer to him, Austin Dillon, and then you got Little Dillon, uh, Ty Dillon, uh, says he's committed to stay with uh, Jermaine uh, Racing. They're having some struggles over there. Uh, certainly that uh, uh, hasn't yielded the results it had hoped for. Um, but I, I guess Ty Dillon really isn't uh, second uh, guessing his decision to join the RC, uh, RCR affiliate. I'm sorry. And feels very confident uh, that he can uh, that they can turn the curve. At least that's what he said in a recent interview with uh, ESPN. Ty Dillon uh, committed to Jermaine Racing. Some issues going on there. What are your thoughts? Um, you know, Jermaine Racing really needs a Jermaine, stronger sorry. partnership, and it's not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they they need a stronger partnership. To be honest. Um, their performance level is still the same as it was with Casey Mears in the car. And that's nothing against, you know, you know, a lot of different players into this. But they need a stronger partnership. They need a partnership that is going to be able to build some of these cars a little bit better than others. And the engineering and technical side of it, too, is also going to play, I think, into some decisions. But as far as Ty Dillon, you're right. I think he's happy, happy where he is. Um, he could use some help, and hopefully he'll get that help shortly or, you know, in the immediate term because um, they they need it. I think they need to run better in a lot of these places that we traditionally would see Richard Childress Racing running better. And uh, right now, um, yeah, I think I think for him, it, it, he's, he's locked in for right now. Geico seems happy. Jermaine seems happy. But right now, I think they just need some better technical and car support at this moment. Absolutely. We've been speaking with Spe- uh, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Steve, we thank you. I hope you get to feel better. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? You can follow me at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest. 
and SpeedwayDigest.com. Thanks, buddy. Get get to feeling better. Thanks. Take care. Thanks. Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, giving us a call, talking NASCAR, going on up there in New Hampshire, chasing the lobster. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente, myself, executive producer of The Balance, Rick Riggin, joins us. We're going to be talking about our poll that's posted up on The Balance, and we're going to get into our pre-college football talk, our college football preview, if you will. And, well, it's all coming around the corner right here on The Balance Radio Network. We'll be right back. Listen, your ugly ass friend. I cannot preach. I cannot preach. I gotta show them how I can't get it in. First, take your dip, dip. Do your dip, dip. Spend your money like money ain't shit. Ooh, ooh. too fresh. Got to blame it on Jesus. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Thank <laughs> you. 
and welcome back to hour number two. My name is Tom Mark Sal Presidente. Thank you to Mr. Steve Wilson. Uh, called us even though he had a little bit of congestion going on. I know what that's like. Uh, talking a little bit about NASCAR with us. Joining us now, executive producer of The Balance, the great white chief, Rick Riggin. How are you, sir? <laughs> hey, be careful, Thad. Yeah, that could be a little offensive these days. <laughs> <laughs> the whole bubble wrap society that we live in now. Uh, absolutely. Speaking of bubble wrap society, we'll get into college football talk here in just a minute. In my opening uh, monologue, I, I kind of went off in the weeds a little bit, kind of went on a little rant, but I thought, it, hey, it was fun to talk about. Did you see the story about Jimmy Galapagos? Uh, dating the uh, – went on a date with the 41-year-old porn star. That's, that's, that's the one you're talking about. Yeah, I got himself a milk touting around Beverly Hills, baby, and then goes into the fourth season. Uh, it seems like it was a plant, in a, and what I mean by that is he wanted everybody to see him because, uh, and then the the porn star, she posted something on Instagram date night, uh, and so TMZ caught him out at the, the restaurant, caught him going into the four seasons. Hey, you know, I get it. You're a $120 million quarterback. Uh, how do I say this without sounding too bubbly rap? He's a handsome fella. I'm sure he's charming. Oh, he's he, a good he looking dating, guy. Yeah, definitely. He, he <laughs> was dating a supermodel. Clearly, everybody in the world knows he can get whoever he wants, but he's not going to call Mama up and say, Mama, guess who I'm bringing over for Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> that date should have started and you ended know, the, at the Four Seasons. <laughs> the, the thing that I just want to know is uh, what's the big deal with it? I mean, anyway, yeah, she's a porn star, and that's just, I don't know, that's that's frowned upon or whatever, but is it illegal? No. So why is it becoming a big deal? And if you're, if you're the 49ers organization, why do you really care? I mean, they're not doing drugs. They're not doing anything illegal. So maybe in, in an image way, that might be a little yeah. hurtful. Or, I'm not sure, but it's not yeah, something think... illegal, so I, I don't know why it's a story. Well, it's a story because it's it's a story uh, because it's a $120 million quarterback. <laughs> but but the thing about it is, you're right, no, nothing illegal going on here. Two consenting adults doing whatever they want, more power to him. Uh, I think any of us, and, uh, and you can lie to me if you want, but I think if any of us had an opportunity to sleep with a porn star, we'd at least consider it. Now, I'll leave it at that, but if you're saying you wouldn't at least consider uh, it, you're lying. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I would, man. I mean, <laughs> uh, you well, would, with the with what with what I can get away with saying on the show here, I just don't think I could satisfy a porn star. So if you if you know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the white man syndrome. No. <laughs> so no, I get it. But no, I think here, here's what it is. Now, first of all, Ron Gronkowski probably has I don't know who who knows. It could go out with a porn star. Nobody would say anything. Okay, but I think right. But if if Andrew Luck went out with a porn star, people would be saying stuff. Uh, if Tom Brady went out with a porn star, it, it's because the quarterback is the face of the franchise. Uh, now it is San Francisco. <laughs> I know that was a jab. I said that earlier, but so well, uh, you know it may not right, matter. But, but it, all right, Tom. In, in Jimmy G's case, is he the face of the 49ers right now? He's only played like six or seven games with them. I mean, is are they that bad that he's actually the face of the franchise after like six games? He became the face of the franchise, Rick, when they gave him $120 million. All righty. <laughs> We're just going to put the uh, club on the shoulders of a guy that's been there for six games and then 
scoff at him yeah. when he's a porn star, I guess. <laughs> I, I think I think really, really, it, this is a story that's going to go away. I mean, it's just something that TMZ posted. Yeah. And people were talking about it. So, you know, it's a fun it's story. It's a fun story. It's fun to talk yeah. about, I guess. <laughs> Fun story to talk about. Uh, well, let's uh, get into our college football talk. Uh, I, I certainly, toward the end of the hour, uh, in, or the end of the show, when most uh, join us, we want to get into the conversation about Papa John's and some of the other stuff that goes on that we oh, want to get yeah, uh, Mo, Mo's opinion on. But we posted a poll yesterday uh, on, on the balance. Uh, go there and vote. Uh, but uh, it looks like, at, at the moment anyway, and let me refresh the stats here just to make sure that I'm that I'm right on it here. With all the college football changes that college football changes, who has the best chance of early success? Uh, Frost with Nebraska, Jimbo with A&M, Taggart with Florida State, and Pruitt with Tennessee. Uh, 71% of the people voted uh, has said uh, Frost with Nebraska. So let's talk about the poll. I know that was the poll you wanted to get put up there, Rick. So the floor is yours, sir. Oh, we don't have questions. We're just going to let me talk and ramble on about the poll. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, if you want a right. question, tell us your thoughts about the poll. How did you come up with the, the, the poll there, uh, uh, Rick? <laughs> well, I mean, that's just like a, a handful of the coaching changes, really. I just uh, – those might be the, the, the more prominent ones, the most prominent ones, the coaching changes during the offseason. But there's uh, other coaches uh, – like Chad Morris at Mississippi State is walking into like a great situation really where they're returning like 17 starters. You know, they're going to be awfully successful. So uh, I just chose these four because I think they're probably the most prominent ones, especially with just the names, the university names like Tennessee, even though under Butch Jones the last several years, Tennessee has had great athletes. But for some reason, I, I even think two years ago, they had the number one recruiting class in the country. But that doesn't translate to wins on the field, and that was all due to coaching. Now, Jeremy Pruitt takes over at Tennessee. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing a, a trend towards defense, a lot more balance in offensive defense because he's going to bring that Alabama. Uh, he was the Alabama defensive coordinator, so he's going to bring that mentality and that Nick Saban-like uh, work ethic, basically, to Tennessee. And that's how I think the Tennessee all of a sudden is going to be back on, on the rise, be a top three, four top five team in the SEC. So we're, this is kind of our college football preview, preview of college football. We will have a, a more in-depth show as we get closer to um, as we get closer to uh, the season starting. Obviously a big Notre Dame country here, uh, uh, and uh, we'll be getting into a lot more talk with Notre Dame. You're a big Notre Dame person. Uh, so let's start with yes, Notre Dame, and we're going we're gonna to kind of work oh, our way we, around. I thought, we talking about, I thought we was breaking down the poll. Oh, are we still doing that? Is that still a thing? Go vote on the poll. I, I wanted to make sure we got through everything here. Uh, I, I totally agree with oh, you. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I am curious. I am curious I'll to see four what co- teams and four cultures with the poll, and all I talked about was Tennessee. <laughs> look, look at Jimbo Fisher, though. I mean, and and uh, Steve Wilson's a big uh, Florida State fan. Talked a little bit about how he just kind of just. Uh, Followed the money and abandoned uh, Florida, Florida State, and kind of left a, a lot of people there, and, and kind of just uh, turned his back on Florida State. I am curious to see how Jimbo does um, do out there at A and M, but he did follow the money, and uh, I think a lot of Seminole fans uh, 
felt like uh, he had no loyalty to, to them. Well, I agree with you, and uh, I don't think he put himself in a in a very good situation, really. If you listen to all the experts and what they say, it's a great fit. Uh, A&M's going to be so much better under Jimbo. Of course, you know, uh, his defensive coordinator, Mike Elko, was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame last year, and all Mike Elko did was the exact same thing Jimbo did, just chase the money. I think, you know, they offered Mike Elko like another like $30,000 more than Notre Dame offered him. You know, if it's already offering you a million or a couple million dollars anyway, what's another 30000 But he left with the money, uh, left Notre Dame high and dry. And, and But the reason why I don't think they're going to be all that successful, in my opinion anyway, because geographically, now he's – look who he's got he, – he owned the state of Florida at Florida State. But now he's got to go against – he's in the heart of SEC and Big 12 country. He's got to compete in recruiting against Alabama both the Mississippis, Texas, even Oklahoma where they're at. He's got to go against all of that just to recruit. Where He came from a state where he was he was king, basically. He had it made, had it set up. Injuries the past couple of years have set Florida State back. You know, injuries to his quarterbacks. And that's the problem he had at Florida State. Now he's got a bigger problem at Texas A&M for recruiting. He's going to have some issues, especially when it comes to recruiting. And uh, Jimbo Fisher was Jimbo Fisher, Fisher in um, Florida State. I, I kind of equated this. Uh, Bobby Knight was Bobby Knight at IU, but Bobby Knight Texas Tech. Bobby Knight was not quite the, the recruiting powerhouse that, that he was before. And right. I get a lot of I get and a lot of that was go the, against. <laughs> yeah. I, I get a lot of that because of why he left Indiana and in the in in the stuff that surrounded that. But still, Bobby Knight is Bobby Knight, so we'll we'll see what happens. We do want to get get around the, the horn here. So uh, obviously, some of the things that we always talk, Rick, at the end of the at the end of the college football, we're getting into the bowl schedules and the and and the bowl predictions and that sort of stuff. One of the words that we like to always talk about. And one of the, 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 the things that are really deciding factors, and that's strength of schedule. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to do today was a couple things. I wanted to um, get familiar with some of these, these schedules and, and talk a little bit about them. Also, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the, um, uh, the playoff uh, predictions or the, 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 the odds, if you will, or whatever title that you want to put it on of the teams that we think will make it out of the 2019 playoffs, I guess, at that point. So really kind of in, in, in maybe in particular order, but no particular scientific order, but just uh, strength of schedule. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about the West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, their, their non-conference schedule includes a season upward with ten- Tennessee and Charlotte, uh, another visit to the Tar Heel State, uh, and two weeks later they face North North Carolina State. And don't be shocked if the Mountaineers uh, look like a look like a candidate for the college football playoff uh, midseason because they didn't do their toughest stretch until November. They don't do their toughest stretch until November. Uh, so and then, and then they'll have to play teams like Texas, uh, TCU, Oklahoma State, uh, and Oklahoma uh, consecutively to close out the regular season. So. The strength of schedule kicks their ass at the end of the at the end of the the season. The uh, West Virginia Mountaineers. What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, and and you're basically just the right on the point with them. Uh, it, it's like that every year. They have a weaker non-conference, even though they got Tennessee, but Tennessee's got a brand new coach. So 
going to be interesting to see how Tennessee comes out of that first game and plays against West Virginia. But last year, West Virginia was the exact same way. Really, <laughs> they were a great team. Uh, but they're, they were catching teams at the right time, uh, playing against teams that had injuries or uh, kind of weaker non-conference schedule, playing their weaker part of the schedule early in the year and playing tough late, which actually has been – being proven with in Oklahoma's case to be a, a pretty good like method when it comes to picking for the uh, college football playoff because you know when the let's, the uh, the selection committee picks their playoff teams uh, they look at the uh, what have you done for me lately thing so they really just go off the past like a week or two of games that you played and if you've had good wins against uh, strong teams late. Uh, that's been a great formula to get you close into the playoff or even into the playoff. But that's been West Virginia's Achilles heel at the same time because they're just not quite there uh, to compete with the uh, elite teams in the country. Absolutely. And we'll see how it comes together. We, we, we talked when we were talking about uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers, we also talked about TCU, TCU, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, um, Sounding like Darth Vader there, Rick. <laughs> I'm sounding like Darth Vader. Yeah, somebody's breathing heavy. Oh, it isn't I, me. Uh, it's probably me. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> what are you What are you over there doing? Looking up uh, uh, Johnny uh, Garoppolo's uh, uh, date. Uh, looking at her her trailers. What's What's going actually, on over I did there? I looked her up a little while ago, man. She's actually pretty <laughs> hot for 41. <laughs> Jimmy G and his mill. We'll not We'll not get 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 by with that. But no, I'm just messing with you. Uh, TCU Horn Frogs, uh, uh, certainly Patterson's uh, team, Gary Patterson's team is set up with a, a tough non-conference schedule that includes a visit to SMU and a game versus Ohio State and at Jerry World in Texas. Why the Horn Frogs uh, get Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at home this season. So I'm sure I got that right. And TCU uh, still has to go on the road again, as, as we talked about, against uh, West Virginia. Uh, thoughts on TCU? At TCU every year is like one of the best teams in the country defensively, but you know, just like we talk about West Virginia late in the season, they hit that really tough part of the conference schedule uh, that really catches up with them. They always get a loss or two real late in the season, knocks them out of the playoff. They still make a great BCS bowl game, you know, but they they are actually I, I would consider them one of the elite teams the past two or three years because. They seem like they're just right there, but just can't get over the hump because they play in that Big 12 against Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State. Uh, those have been proven to be tough late games for TCU late, and they just can't get over that hump. Well, and TCU, that's the problem. That's exactly right, the hump. Uh, uh, they they can't get past themselves to get – well, they're going to get into a bowl game, and I, we're just talking about the, uh, getting into the, to the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Strictly schedule Missouri Tigers. Uh, they'll, they'll try to get off to a better start than, than last season when the Tigers lost five straight uh, F, FBS uh, uh, games. Uh, but uh, in the early schedule, it does kind of look tough for the Missouri Tigers. Um, their, their non-conference schedule includes Wyoming. A visit to Purdue, which let's, let's talk a little bit about, about Purdue if you want to as well. I mean, Purdue, uh, under the new coach and under the new regime, uh, they're starting to turn heads. And we'll, we'll see if, if they're able to, to really make a, a, a Big Ten 
difference, but I I would keep my eye on Purdue as much as I hate to say that. Followed by also with the Missouri going back to Missouri Tigers, they've got a rough SEC start uh, with Georgia and at South Carolina and at Alabama. Uh, and Memphis is another dangerous uh, out-of-conference uh, games in October. And uh, the Tigers also has to, let's not forget, they also have to face Florida and Tennessee. Man, uh, I think you look at the Missouri Tigers, they've got one of the toughest schedules going out there as you look going into the 2018-2019 season. Yeah, Missouri, to me, just kind of reminds me, makes me think of Rutgers, you know, in the Big Ten for the football program. Uh, Missouri and the SEC and Rutgers, uh, for football in the Big Ten, neither one of those schools belong in those conferences for football. Uh, they they might be too okay in other sports. I know basketball, Missouri's usually pretty decent. You know, other sports they're they're okay, and that makes sense to be in the SEC. But for football, uh, that football program right now does not belong in the SEC. I mean, there's no way that uh, I mean, Georgia's already up by seven touchdowns in that game, and we're talking that game's too much from now. So. <laughs> Uh, that that's really the there's nothing to say much more about Missouri in the SEC. I mean, you, you can say the exact same thing about Rutgers in the Big Ten. Neither one of those programs, for football anyway, belong in those conferences. Agreed, agreed. Well, let me talk a little bit about BYU. Uh, BYU certainly always has a moderately good to moderately decent team, uh, the Cougars. And as usual, they kind of have a mixed bag of tricks, if you will. Uh, they have a lot of winnable games, uh, certainly. Uh, Utah, Minnesota State, uh, Hawaii, UMass, New Mexico State. But also you throw in some brutal matchups. They got Arizona, they got Wisconsin, they got Washington and Boise State. Um, And I thought they had somebody else there too. But nonetheless, BYU Cougars, good football team. But there again, because they have some very tough opponents mixed in their schedule, it makes it hard for them to to do well when it comes to looking at them for the playoffs. Well, there's two things working against BYU right now. It's one Bronco Mendenhall left uh, after uh, two seasons ago for uh, University of Virginia. It's really good coach at BYU. It's probably going to make Virginia competitive in, in the ACC. But uh, that's going against them, working in a new coach. And then number two, also, a few years ago, they went. They dropped out of a conference and went independent, kind of like Navy and well, Navy's in a conference now, but kind of like Army and Notre Dame. You know, they're, they're at football independence. Uh, that works against BYU too because now they don't have to. They don't have a conference opponents anymore, so now they have to schedule themselves a little tougher. So, in the event they do have a good season and down the road, and when the playoff committee looks at teams and who's worthy of strength of schedule, you know. The whole thing we just talked about, who's worthy of playing in these upper echelon of bowl games and who isn't. Uh, BYU has to schedule themselves tough for not being in a conference. So working in, in a new coach and being a football independent, you know, and adjusting to that lifestyle, is uh, that's two things working against BYU right now. So, and Rick, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and chime in here in just a moment on anything that you might want to add to. But I also wanted to get to the 2019 uh thoughts uh, as far as who we have have the greatest chance of getting out of the 2019 uh, playoffs but some of the other strings of schedules just to look at when you get an opportunity guys uh, we don't have time to break down all of these teams uh, because we just got to move the show on along but you got to look at Kansas uh, the, the Jayhawks um, as well <laughs> and you got 
Why don't we talk about elite teams, Tom? You keep breaking up these teams that ain't even going to win two games this year. <laughs> well, I, what I did, what I did, and I was just going to go through the list, but I won't now because now you've made me feel bad about my list. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> they just need to figure out what they need to be doing. <laughs> I was actually getting ready to talk about Stanford. So, you know, you got you got to give me credit with Stanford. And uh, I was going to talk about Ohio State, their strength of schedule. I was going to talk about uh, who else? Where else is my list going? I was going to talk about Louisville. There, there you go. I was going to talk about UCLA. Uh, obviously, they got a new coach. Everybody's looking at over there. But no, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't give your time. So Arizona State. Uh, going to talk about them. I was going to talk about the Longhorns. I was going to talk about uh, the Wolfpack. I was going to talk about the Florida State Seminoles and their new coach. Oh, yeah, all of that I had on the agenda. The Tigers, the Auburn Tigers. But, no, I'm just kidding. And not one elite team in there. Not one elite team in there yet. Well, that's because. Outside uh, of maybe Stanford. Maybe Stanford. That's because, because, Mr. Rick, the other topic that I was getting to, that I was teasing, that I was segmenting into, was uh, teams that we – that. How did I title that segment? Uh, teams that that have a good uh, odds of winning the uh, odds to win the 2019 college football playoff, or something like that. Well, I that's, can't what this, what I, that's what this whole segment started out as, as you saying the team has <laughs> the best chance to make the playoffs, and you brought up Missouri and Kansas. <laughs> I had to, I, because what I started with, what I started with saying was when we come to these conversations about the playoffs. One of the things that always comes into play is this team is not in the playoffs because of strength of schedule. So I wanted to talk a little bit about strength of schedule and some of these other teams that don't get into the playoffs because of strength of schedule. Okay, let's go into you. You want to you want to talk about elite? Let's go with Alabama quarterback controversy, <laughs> and it was created by the coach and he and um, they have a quarterback controversy. Say what you want, but they have a court quarterback controversy but I don't think they have one because I think in the national championship last year they decided who their quarterback was going to be this year no matter what uh, uh, is said by the leadership team uh, by the by the Alabama Crimson Tide so you want go elite we'll go elite Alabama go ahead sir <laughs> <laughs> oh, well you know they they have uh, enough talent to overcome a quarterback controversy but you're right it's exactly controversy and Tom we've said this on the show probably a hundred times, and you know what I'm getting ready to say. If you have two quarterbacks, you really have how many? How many times? You, you have two quarterbacks. You have one quarterback. You have zero. You have zero. <laughs> well, have zero quarterbacks. You have two yeah. quarterbacks, you really have none, and that is going to actually hurt Alabama this year, the quarterback position, because if they're sharing reps during practice and Tua Tango Vailoa is not – uh, getting the the full share because he should be probably should be the quarterback. If he's not getting the the, the full share of the workload to run that offense, then they are going to struggle. Yeah, he 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 can get out of the pocket. He's got a great cannon for an arm, uh, but if he can't pick up the offense like he's supposed to be, because he's also coming back from an injury. I don't know if people knew that he was injured or not, but he had a elbow and shoulder injury. He didn't even play in their spring game because he's healing from an injury. So it's that on top of not getting the uh, full workload for running the offense, that, that's going to hurt Alabama this year. I think Alabama might take a step back on offense because of the quarterback controversy. 
And we'll see how that comes to play. That could actually come into the benefit of the Clemson Tigers. Obviously, they're in a mission uh, to win a, another national title. And I know at the, at the end of the year, we're always talking about Alabama and, and Clemson. Uh, but the Clemson Tigers, you want to keep talking about elite? You don't get any more elite than them. Right. And uh, the ACC is going to take a step back this year also, with the exception of Miami. How great Miami was last year. If Miami is actually a, a contender they will be the biggest threat to Clemson this year in the ACC because Florida State's got a new coach, uh, NC State's re- uh, replacing a whole bunch of players, including you know, uh, Bradley Chubb, which we talked about in the NFL draft a lot from, in our draft shows. Uh, so the, the ACC's lost a lot of talent. You know, they lost Lamar Jackson from Louisville you know, to the NFL. So uh, Clemson's kind of a standalone team in the ACC. Uh, but Miami, Miami is their biggest competition. If Miami can play like they did last year, the whole turnover chain and everything that was great about Miami last year, they are the biggest threat to Clemson. You know, we can't uh, continue to our conversations about elite teams. You know, how many times can I say elite teams before the end of the show, Rick? I don't know, but I'm going to make I'm going to make sure that I get it put in there. I'm going to make sure that you elite. know we just, <laughs> we talked about elite teams. So we we certainly have one right here in our backyard in the Big Ten, and that's Ohio State. Ohio State is not going to have the quarterback JT Burnell. Got it. We're going to have a new quarterback. They've got a, a somewhat of a quarterback uh, controversy as well. Dwayne Haskins and and, and, and Tate Merrill. Uh, obviously. Uh, they've got Mike Weber that controls that running game over there, but Ohio State as well has a decision to make uh, who's going to be under center this year. Well, if it wasn't for uh, uh, Bryce Love at Stanford, the running back, he's probably going to be the Heisman favorite this year. He should be the Heisman favorite. Uh, another name you're going to hear at the running back position is J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State. Uh, the kid's phenomenal, uh, phenomenal runner, and that spread offense that Urban Meyer has. Uh, I do believe that the quarterback and running back combo, J.K. Dobbins and Tate, is going to be uh, pretty well unstoppable. I, I think I think Ohio State is, depending on what Wisconsin does this year, because Michigan is not going to be a contender after they get beat by Notre Dame about 30 in the first game of the season. Uh, I think it's Ohio State's conference again. So, but watch out for J.K. Dobbins at running back. Well, speaking of elite, we're going to continue using that word elite throughout the show, the rest of the show. Uh, joins us now, uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, we're continuing uh, with elite. So, the elite Mo uh, from the BS Sports Show. How are you, sir? <laughs> uh, well, I know that you're a big liar now because I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, you missed you missed the whole backstory there. We were, were we were doing our college football preview. Uh, Rick and I are, are in the conversation about that. And as I said, <laughs> when we get into conversations about the 2019 playoffs, you know, one of the things that we always talk about why this team is not in the playoffs, why is this team not in this bowl, is the word that we like to use all the time: the strength of schedule. So I started going through a list of teams that probably won't be there. So I started talking about Missouri Tigers. That's I not how, that is not how it played out, Tom. You, you go back <laughs> to the show, you're going to see, here's a list of teams that had the best chance at the 2019 playoff, and you brought up Kansas and Missouri. And then I got off. No, I, <laughs> then I, I got, got off on the, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So he said I wasn't talking about any elite teams. So, so we moved on to uh, more <laughs> elite teams. Uh, so, you know. It is, it is what it is. But, Mo, uh, we're, we're glad that you joined us. We do want to get your thoughts on a very important topic, and it, this is huge. It's huge news. Jimmy G goes out with a porn star in Beverly Hills. 
and then they end up at the Four Seasons. It's all over TMZ. This is big. We got to get your opinion on this, sir. <laughs> well, first off, how do you know how big the Jimmy G is? I find that a little weird. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I think it's awesome. Who cares, man? You know, he's out. Uh, he's out in California. Why not have some fun? I'm I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, having been with a a adult film actress myself for a quick. Uh, second and I mean probably a quick couple seconds um, it was, uh, it was quite an experience so I'm, I'm all for Jimmy G doing that well I think, I think more than anything everybody says you know the quarterback is the face of the franchise and I know we could say and we could break it down to the, the finite detail that he's not the, the face of the franchise because he's only played six games as Rick uh, pointed out but whenever you pay someone 120 million dollars at that point you become the face of the of the franchise and I think it's just a branding thing and I and I think at the end of the day it's just something for people to talk about so uh, we're, I mean, would, you rather, would, you rather, would you rather talk about uh, Jimmy G dating a porn star or guys kneeling during the anthem more you know what I mean so I'm all about it I'm glad to yeah. talk for a little yeah. bit that's a good point <laughs> I, that that's on what I call the the back page show notes. If we have to have filler, we'll, we'll, we could certainly uh, do that. We could get into that conversation. But yeah, the, the NFL is, is screwing it up again and getting in their own way. And we'll get off in the weeds with that if if we allowed ourselves to do that. But it's college preview, so we're we're just kind of breaking down. We moved into the more elite conversation. Now that you've joined us, so we're talking about power teams of teams that are most likely to to win the 2019 college football playoffs. We've already talked about uh, Alabama and Clemson, and we've talked about Ohio State. You can go ahead and throw in your thoughts on there, and we'll start with you, Mo. Georgia the, uh, is is our next team on uh, uh, on the list here. Uh, the, the the Bulldogs were also close last year. Uh, thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs? You can throw in thoughts on the on the so-called quarterback controversy in Alabama. There, there might be a quarterback controversy in in uh, with Ohio State and certainly the Clemson Tigers. They're right there. They're they're, they're looking to win a, another national championship. So thoughts? Well, I, I think nobody's as close as the team you brought up first, the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, Christ, they've won like three games in the last ten years. Uh, right. You know, I mean, you know, Georgia's offense uh, was was good. They were able to hang uh, last year with Alabama, uh, you know, in a few tweaks on defense. And Georgia's your national champion last year. Uh, I like what uh, I, I like what Kirby Smart's done with this football team. Uh, Georgia fans are going to be crazier than ever this year because they got that taste last year. Yeah, they were disappointed at the national championship game, but, man, they got that taste. I think they're going to become unbearable, uh, just like Ohio State fans. But uh, Georgia should be a fun team. Uh, they've got a fast, fun defense. And, uh, you know, they showed offensively they can hang with a team like Alabama. So I, I think that the, the Georgia will be a very fun team uh, to watch this year. And I know they're third as far as odds go at 15-2. to two. So uh, I think the uh, odds makers in Las Vegas like them a lot as well. Uh, go ahead, Rick. Uh, thoughts on Georgia? Yeah, I agree with Mo. It's a, a tweak here and there in defense, and, and Georgia's your national champion. And I think this year's the same way. Uh, that all <laughs> those type of odds is basically just get a ball bounce their way one one extra time this year, and they're probably your national champion this year. Uh, I think if it's Georgia and Alabama again this year, I think Georgia wins. Uh, you know, Fromm is their quarterback. They have no controversy there, and we see teams like even as elite as Alabama is, all the talent they have on the field that can make up for, you know, a loss at another position. When a quarterback controversy happens like they have, 
it affects the offense. It affects the team, and I think that's why Georgia is going to probably overtake Alabama this year. Well, absolutely. Uh, real quickly, guys, uh, Rick, you and I talked about this last night off mic. We just kind of want to just say hello to all of our listeners. Uh, certainly uh, the large portion of our listeners come from right here in the United States. But as we were reviewing data from the show last night, Rick and I were, uh, we have people that are listening in Romania, Taiwan, uh, Canada, and the U.K. Did I, did I miss anybody there, Rick? No, nope, you got them all. <laughs> so, hey, uh, you know, we, we want to increase our listenership. I think it was because of our huge coverage of the World Cup that, that, that brought that in. <laughs> but, no, really, in all seriousness, uh, we're, we're glad to have everybody. And it's always cool when we see data uh, that we're getting listeners registering data uh, from other countries. So we appreciate, appreciate uh, you listening no matter where you are on Saturday morning and taking time to join us and certainly uh, download the, the, the podcast as well. Selfless plug there guys uh so uh doing a good job of increasing our so, listenership so we're going to keep up the good work go, Tom, go ahead Rick. What, what, what i would what i would want to know and what i would love to hear is if somebody battles us in a different country and it automatically translates our voice into like their language that'd be incredible we need to figure that out <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that uh, you know in most countries in most countries a lot of people speak English. Uh, it's not that, that way here in the United States. But, uh, of course, now that we, we're, we're talking about Jimmy G and the porn star, man, the ratings are going to be off the chart. Off the chart, guys. Ah, my goodness. All we've got to do now is bring up marijuana, and then we'll, we'll, be, we'll be there. All right, guys, um, uh, Rick, hey, you're up. Michigan, uh, obviously a big uh, powerhouse within the Big Ten. Uh, the 2017 uh, season was a terrible disappointment for Jim Harbaugh. I think he's got to turn it around. I think a lot of people still like Jim Harbaugh, but still, at the same time, Michigan is one of those teams you got to have in a conversation of winning the 2019 playoffs. Go ahead. Yeah, not a chance this year. Jim Harbaugh is the best fifth-place coach in the Big Ten in the world. So, uh, I mean, week one, they're going to get destroyed. Uh, they're not going to go to Notre Dame and, and win. Uh, no, believe it or not, Notre Dame is going to be really good this year, even losing some players and some coaches. Uh, they return a lot of starters, and uh, – Michigan is just not quite there. I don't know what it is with Jim Harbaugh, and he's a great coach. He brings good athletes, great athletes in, but it just doesn't translate to wins on the field, and I don't know what the uh, what the issue is with their uh, Michigan fans are going to – they're getting tired of Harbaugh now when they get destroyed by Notre Dame here in about five weeks. Uh, they're going to start hearing some hot seat uh, rumors of Jim Harbaugh, but I think Michigan's probably going to finish fourth or fifth in the Big Ten again because they're not going to beat Ohio State or Penn State, or probably Wisconsin, and I don't know what their schedule looks like, but uh, Scott Frost in Nebraska, Nebraska's going to be a Big Ten monster now that they're in that Western division, and they don't have to contend with Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State. Uh, so I'm looking for, a, as long as Harbaugh is, is at Michigan, uh, Michigan's probably fourth or a fifth best team every year because that's just the way they've been. I don't know what is Harbaugh's coaching style. I mean, he takes everybody to Rome and Germany and Italy and year after year, all these cool trips, but not trans doesn't translate the wins on the field. So expect more of the same this year. Mo, uh, for the sports show, uh, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan Wolverines, uh, uh, certainly uh, in the talk, in the conversation, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that uh, Jim Harbaugh knows, like I know that, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, his his new girlfriend, 
has been in quite some in some quite the film. She's been in Broadbusters Four, uh, <laughs> Gone Wild Two, Couple of Bang the Babysitter Eight, uh, Couple Bang the Babysitter Eight. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a cinematic so, masterpiece. Uh, how how did so, yeah, you know? It's, it's so we get, I want to I want a, a question on Couples Bang the Babysitter Eight. So okay. successful series uh, one through seven. And then she just flies in in number in in the number eight position. So uh, I'm just wondering, you know, how successful the, the first seven were to land uh, uh, this uh, porn star in Apple's Bang the Babysitter Eight. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, it was it was directed by the uh, the uh, guy who was like the uh, Scorsese of the porn world, Chucky Sleeve. So you know, when you got a guy like that, uh, <laughs> right? Masterpiece. <laughs> Uh, no, Rick, sooner or later, I was just going to say, Rick, I want you to get on getting her on the show uh, for next week, please. <laughs> right, <laughs> ahead, that ain't Mo. happening. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mo. Um, you know, with Jim Harbaugh, you know, sooner or later, Michigan's got to take that next step, and they, he's got to beat Ohio State, and I think this is the year he's got to do it. I don't think he's in danger of going anywhere uh, unless he decides to go because, uh, you know, Jim's very proud of Michigan. I think his family is, is settled there at Michigan in the Michigan tradition. Uh, they've made a lot of improvements to the uh, football facilities under Jim Harbaugh's watch. And the thing is for Michigan, yeah, you want to win national championships, but one thing Jim Harbaugh is doing is just bringing in a lot of money to that football program. And at the end of the day, let's be honest, guys, college football is about bringing money into the program. Uh, so that's one thing that Jim Harbaugh is doing. So I, I don't think that, uh, you know, if the season's not as successful, as uh, as Michigan hopes that uh, Jim Harbaugh is going anywhere unless he decides to do it, uh, you know you've got uh, you've got some experience at quarterback. Uh, you've got uh, you know some guys returning who were out with injury last year at the wide receiver position who are fast, quick guys who can catch the football. Uh, and you've got uh, you know a couple of returning guys, uh, one in a fifth year senior that uh, on the defense that uh, are intense dudes. Now you've got to wonder about that defensive backfield when it comes to the Michigan Wolverines. So, uh, you know, I, I think they could have a successful season. You, you've got some guys that have left uh, Ohio State, some guys that have left Penn State that could, uh, you know, make the year that Michigan does do some things in the Big Ten. I don't know that they have a, a great season, but I think, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh turns in another good season for Michigan Wolverines and, and those millions upon millions of dollars to throw into the Michigan football program. Mo, well, let's talk a little bit about Wisconsin. Uh, the Badgers uh, return uh, much of last year's, uh, wait for it, Rick, elite defense. Ah, see what I did there, Rick? Uh, which, <laughs> which, That's ranked, fine. <laughs> which ranked in, in yards allowed and points allowed per game. As usual, the question will be whether or not the team can generate enough offense to win the Big Ten after following in the conference championship to Ohio State last year. Uh, certainly, uh, Alex uh, Horback, Hornaback, Horn, Burke, I'm sorry, um, could take a step Horny forward Brooke. and lead the Badgers. Hornibrook, okay. Uh, uh, could. Uh, really be in for a historic season. I, I, you got to look at Wisconsin and Ohio State battling it out. Although I did say earlier, keep your eye on an underdog uh, with Purdue. Purdue's uh, turning some heads, and with their new coach and their new regime out there, they might be one or two years out. It may not be 2019, uh, but certainly keep your eyes on Purdue. But you got to look at Wisconsin and Ohio State uh, uh, going for blood this year, Mo. Yeah, and, you know, I think Tom Yule enjoyed this. He was also uh, an elite big boobies 24. So you just say, what did you share a word of my one? 
No, you know, you brought up yeah. they're, they're they're actually interesting. You know, I'll, I'll get to Wisconsin in a second, but Purdue's interesting because they 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 kept their coach around. Uh, they made some steps forward last year, and man, they had a decent recruiting class this year for the first time in a long time. They had a guy yesterday that squatted over six hundred pounds. Uh, so, you know, it, it, not a Purdue fan, but it's exciting to see Purdue start to return, uh, you know, to, to some football glory of the past. So it'll be, I think it'll be another exciting year for, for uh, Purdue as they take another step forward. Uh, Wisconsin just always seems to just kind of, you know, do their thing under the radar because you've got guys like Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh uh, in the Big Ten. But, you know, Wisconsin is very consistent every year. Uh, you know, they don't seem – they can't take that next elite step, but they're always very, very good. They're, they seem like they always have enough to get to that Big Ten championship and then and then uh, falter. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, this Wisconsin team, I think, does it again this year. And for a long time, they've had a lack of competition uh, in their side of the conference. But I think Scott Frost coming to Nebraska uh, shed a light of fire into Wisconsin's ass that, you know, you can't just uh, rely on what you've done every year now. You might have, you're going to have to improve because Scott Frost is no joke, and him coming back home to Nebraska – I think, uh, you know, he's going to come uh, looking to fire out of the gate. So I, I think Wisconsin's going to be another good year, and they'll probably be the champions of, of that part of the bracket. But I think that they can't rest on their laurels, and they're going to have to uh, get things moving and, and take that next step if they want to keep ahead of, uh, you know, teams like Nebraska and even, you know, the upcoming Purdue Boilermakers. We're talking with Mouth with the BS Sports Show, executive producer Rick Riggin, and my name is Tom Marquisell, president is the balance or college football preview show uh rick what are your thoughts on the wisconsin badgers in ohio state i think uh, again those are the two you got to look at but what are your thoughts on wisconsin yeah i, I agree with mo and, you, and they do a lot of a lot of things good just not one thing great but they really good on defense balanced offense it's kind of like uh alabama really is like really boring uh, on, on offense you know it's really just a, a balanced attack and that's probably a little more running game than it is a balance attack at Wisconsin. Well, it's always been since Ron Dane was there. Uh, but when you play that type of football against the, uh, these spread teams like Ohio State, and now what Scott Frost is going to do, you know, at national championship winning uh, Scott, Scott Frost from Central Florida is going to do with Nebraska, Wisconsin is going to make some changes and because uh, that, that balance attack and balance defense and everything they do is just not going to they're not going to be able to go toe-to-toe with teams like that when Scott Frost and Nebraska is going to put up 45 points a game. Uh, Wisconsin is not built that way. But that's their only problem. I, I do think they get, during the talk with that Big Ten championship this year, it's just I'm interested in seeing what Penn State's going to do losing Saquon Barkley, but they still got McSorley at quarterback, who is really good. So Penn State's also going to be in this conversation too. Uh, Rick, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Huskies in Washington. Uh, obviously, Washington is coming off of a somewhat disappointing season in 2017. They did make it all the way to the Fiesta Bowl, but they did fail to make uh, the college football playoffs for the second straight year. Uh, uh, Coach Peterson has certainly raised the expectations. Uh, Jake Browning returns uh, for his final year as the team's uh, started QB, uh, but will need a more, uh, support, uh, a more supporting cast, if you will, if they're going to go into the 2019 playoffs. Thoughts on Washington, uh, Rick? Well, I, I watch it every year. To me, does the exact same thing. Is they light up the scoreboard, and you really want to think they're they're a great team, an elite team, and then they run into a team like Stanford that slows them down. And when they get slowed down and taken out of the things they're comfortable doing, they fall apart. 
and I think that's going to happen again this year against Stanford because Stanford still got Bryce Love at running back, and he's going to be the, the if he's not already, he should be the Heisman favorite this year. Uh, they're going to run into Stanford again this year and probably lose to Stanford just for that reason because Stanford's going to take him out of their comfort zone and slow the game way down and play play the uh, the game that at Stanford's level. Mo, what are your thoughts on the Huskies of Washington? As Rick said, you know, they just uh, seem to do what they do every every year and uh, just can't seem to get over that hump. Well, I think one place they needed to improve is on defense. They've got a couple of really good returning linebackers, and one thing they did add this offseason uh, is a five-star linebacker recruit in Ali Kao, and I think when you put him in there with those uh, two upperclassmen, uh, you know, that are at Washington, you're getting to learn uh, from a couple of upperclassmen also – uh, you know, he, he's a guy who is highly touted and is a quick guy, but, you know, he can also, not only can he rush the quarterback and stop the run, he's a guy uh, who can also, uh, you know, pass defense. So I think when you look at that trio of linebackers, one place they needed to improve uh, was on defense, and I think that the uh, Washington Huskies have done that this year. Well, let's get your thoughts on the Oklahoma Sooners, and I think a lot of people are going to be watching the Sooners this year. Uh, it, it'll, it'll, I think they're in Norman, Oklahoma, I believe, uh, but certainly Baker Mayfield not there anymore. Uh, was certainly drafted uh, first overall by the Browns, so we'll see uh, what, he, what he's able to do up there in the mistake on the lake. But uh, likely uh, uh, Murray uh, will, will be their potential quarterback. The Oklahoma Sooners, though, uh, they're a team I for personally because I like them. I think they're a good team. But they just, again, do what they do every single year. And I think the, the lack of Baker Mayfield, it's going to be hard to have them in the conversation of the 2019 playoffs. But I went ahead and put them in my list anyway. Go ahead. Thoughts on the Sooners? Well, you know, I, I, I obviously losing uh, a guy like Baker Mayfield is tough. The number one overall pick, uh, former Heisman Trophy winner, and the guy who is really the emotional leader of your team, that's tough. But uh, you know, to me, I think where the Sooners have the most work to do, uh, obviously, is on defense. Uh, you know, you're, when you can score a lot of points, that's great, but you also have to be able to stop the other team at, uh, at scoring points, too. Uh, they've got uh, some issues at linebacker they're going to have to address, uh, a few issues uh, in the secondary as well. Uh, so, to me, you know, obviously, I, I, you know, losing a quarterback like that is, is big time for a big program, but to me, what do they do on defense to address those needs? I think it's going to be the biggest thing for, for Oklahoma. Uh, you know, the Big 12 uh, is what it is. You know, we've got teams that are competitive in Oklahoma State and, and Texas and a few of those teams. But really every year it seems like it's Oklahoma's to lose. Uh, you know, I, I think they've come back to the pack a little bit this year. But, again, it'll be, you know, uh, can you stop high, how high-powered offenses like Oklahoma State has? So, I think it'll be a much more interesting year in the Big 12 with uh, Oklahoma taking a step backwards. Mo, what are your thoughts on the Sooners? I mean, uh, Rick, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Well, I, I, I will just disagree a little bit. I, I don't think it's going to be that much of a drop-off for Oklahoma. Uh, you, you do, I do agree with Mo. You do lose the uh, emotional leader, and you lose your experience at quarterback. But Kyler Murray, uh, he's drafted by the Oakland A's, actually, in baseball, is a lot better athlete than uh, – than Baker Mayfield Mayfield is. I mean, better runner, better thrower. There'll be a drop-off in experience, and there might be a couple turnovers here and there. Uh, that shouldn't happen with Kyler Murray. Just it, That's all experience-based. But I don't think they're going to regress that much. I think we're still talking about Oklahoma in the Big 12 this year. 
Rick, uh, we, we were talking just a little while ago about Shaquan Barkley, uh, you know, leaving uh, Penn State. That obviously Penn State is another team that you have to have in, in discussion. Last year, uh, they started seven and zero before following uh, back to falling to back to back games with Ohio State and and Michigan State. Uh, so. Um, Again, they were able to, to get to the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, no Saquon, Saquon Barkley, uh, but uh, Trace McSorley uh, still their quarterback. So I think the expectations are still there for Penn State. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think they feel like they can win the Big Ten, and I actually kind of agree with them. I think they are going to compete with Ohio State again, and uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but that Ohio State Penn State game last year was one of the all timers with Ohio State in that one-point victory uh, at the Horseshoe. Well, if they play again this year in Happy Valley, I mean, it it, it might be the other way around. That's probably my, that might what gets Penn State, uh, you know, to that championship game because that is all they missed on was that one-point loss to Ohio State. Or we want to talk about uh, Wisconsin and Penn State for the Big Ten championship. Mo, what are your thoughts on uh, Penn State uh, making a run for the Big Ten championship? You know, I, I like McSorley. Uh, you know, he led the uh, the Big Ten last year uh, in yards per game. Uh, one thing we did see regress a little bit last year uh, because of the emergency of Saquon Barkley uh, was his average per completion from 16-1 down to 12.6 because he didn't go for broke as much as he had to uh, the year prior. Uh, you know, the one thing that's promising for him, obviously, uh, is uh, junior runner Miles Sanders. Uh, you know, over his first couple of seasons, Sanders a dude that averaged 6.7 yards a carry. That's, that's not terrible. He hadn't doesn't have a lot of experience, only 56 carries. Uh, but you look at what they did with Saquon Barkley last year, and Saquon uh, accounted for almost 35% of Penn State's all-purpose yards. That's a lot. And so, you know, when you have a, a quarterback who has a lot of success, when you have a running back like that, you know, at times you wonder uh, if that could drop off. Now, will we see – uh, McSorley become a Matthew Stafford, who everybody was worried about when Megatron went away, that uh, Stafford's numbers would go away, or does he step up and uh, and continue to uh, throw the ball more as he's a more experienced guy and, and not have to rely so much on the running game? Uh, it'll be an interesting year for me to to watch that Penn State offense uh, just to see how McSorley responds. You know, let's be honest, losing a guy like Saquon Barkley is huge to any offense. But, you know, that's a, that's a safety valve for your quarterback. You feel like you can do anything when you've got a guy like Saquon Barkley in the backfield. So, uh, hopefully, the Miles Sanders will be able to step up in that backfield, stay healthy, and we see another big year for Nick Storley. Again, it's always better for the Big Ten when teams like Penn State are good and Michigan is good and Ohio State's good. So, I think it's great, uh, you know, for, for the Big Ten that, that Penn State uh, is a contender again. Well, let's uh, move on. You can't have a conversation about teams, the best odds, if you will, to win the 2019 playoffs without talking about the Auburn Tigers. Uh, certainly, uh, they they remember the, uh, the the team's Iron Bowl win over SEC champion, uh, lost to Georgia in the Peach Bowl, uh, lost to USC, UCF in 2017 season. Uh, head coach Gus McGazan. How do you say his last name? McGazan? Malzahn. Malzahn. Again, we're going to use the word elite, defense returning, uh, the Auburn Tigers. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, I think for Gus Malzahn, he's got to, to find a quarterback he trusts to make plays, whether it be, uh, you know, throwing the football or running the football. Um, the defense, obviously, is no joke. That Auburn defense uh, is, is a monster. It's just can Auburn continue to uh, get the offense 
uh, when they need it, where they need it. Uh, you know, you can't expect your, your defense to throw a damn near a shutout to every football game, especially in the SEC. So I think for Malzahn, it's going to find a quarterback in spring football. Uh, that he comes out of spring football that he did with having a quarterback he can trust and going into training camps. Does he have a quarterback who he can put out in the field and he has full confidence in? Because when the coach has that in a quarterback, especially a college, and can come up the playbook, I think that makes for a, a very fun Auburn team. Again, I mean, the defense is, is a monster. So uh, Auburn uh, getting it right on offense too. Uh, you know, teams like uh, uh, Georgia and Alabama could uh, be uh, looking in the the eyes of a beast when they uh, line up against the Auburn Tigers this fall. Rick, what are your thoughts on the Tigers of Auburn? Yeah, at Mo's right, it's about getting the players in need for defense to compete in the SEC. And when you look at Gus Malzahn's uh, offense, it's really like a uh, – it, it's just like Chip Kelly's version of the uh, Oregon offense, just maybe a little slower pace, but it's really similar to that type of offense. So he gets the quarterback and the players to run that type of offense, and they could be competitive uh, – on defense in the SEC, uh, I mean, he's right. It's it, it's really scary to think that you got Georgia and Alabama and then Auburn, you know, three three monsters, three teams that can all easily make the playoff right there in the SEC and really challenge Alabama and Georgia for that top spot. Rick, let's look at Miami, uh, University of Miami, Miami, Florida, that is. Uh, certainly uh, they had a 10-0 start last year and then came to a crashing burn. Uh, I certainly think that Mark Reich uh, has the Canes on, on the right track uh, going into 2018. You have them in the conversation of teams that could win the 2019 playoffs, uh, the Hurricanes of Miami. What do you sir? Well, without the uh, late falter last year, two some teams they should have beat. And, of course, they destroyed Notre Dame there in Miami. And uh, really the only other elite team in the ACC that I see this year is Clemson. If they can figure out how to beat Clemson, we're probably going to be talking about Miami this year for the uh, college in, into the uh, at least in the conversation for the college football playoff because they, you know, that turnover chain is a real thing in Miami. I don't know what it is. It's a it's a way of life down there uh, for that football team anyway, and it's definitely a great motivator uh, to go out and play tough defense. And if they can improve on that just a little bit more this year, they're great on defense. Uh, they had some inconsistent quarterback play. Uh, I expect that to be probably straightened out this year. They're going to be a, a huge threat to Clemson, the ACC, and we might be talking about Miami in, in the top four instead of Clemson this year. Mo, what are your thoughts, uh, the, the Canes, uh, in, in going into the 2018-2019? Well, like Rick said, and I think uh, like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's new girlfriend when she was in Dirty Rotten <laughs> MFers, hey, that's, that's what that defense is, man. They are, they are, they are just, just like Jimmy G's girlfriend. They, they go to the ball. To the ball. Uh, they are ball hawks. Uh, <laughs> and maybe, maybe, that, maybe, that's her, maybe that's her new nickname. Uh, but, uh, uh, no, the defense is amazing yeah. <laughs> uh, in that team. They, they turn the ball over, and, and they get to that ball uh, like nobody's business, but can they get the play on offense? I think, personally, the Clemson's too well-rounded uh, for Miami to knock them off uh, in that conference, but I think Miami uh, is definitely going to be, you know, in the conversation for sure. Uh, again, like Rick said, it, it's going to be what can they do on offense because, obviously, on defense, uh, we've seen what this Miami team can do, especially on national television last year against the Irish. So uh, can they put it together offensively? If so, I think you're, you're definitely looking at a team that can compete and give Clemson a run for its money. So I, I think uh, Rick hit the nail on the head. 
Well, uh, guys, uh, we got time for one more team, and then we're going to have to wrap it up and put a bow on it. So why not uh, uh, finish off here in our backyard again in the Big Ten? We look at Michigan State last year. Uh, Mo, in 2017, was kind of a, an official rebound season for the Spartans, uh, losing only three games and, and capping off their season with an impressive win over Washington State in the Holiday Bowl. Likely the 2018 starting quarterback will be Brian Lurkey, uh, which got better last year and, and prog- was able to progress. Got to have the conversation, Big Ten champion possibly, but certainly uh, a, a team that could uh, do well in the 2019 playoffs, and that's Michigan State. Go ahead, Mo. Yeah, I mean, the, the Spartans, uh, you know, they like to play spoiler in that Big Ten when uh, nobody else really is talking about them, and they're giving all the love to, to Michigan and, and Ohio State and Penn State. You know, one thing that uh, this team needs to do this year is figure out how to keep their guys from sexually assaulting women and, uh, you know, keep them on the football team. There's this is there's true. dissension in this football program, you know. Uh, I think there's there, – I'm not questioning uh, the coaching ability of, of uh, D'Antonio, but uh, keeping an eye on those players. And I know for a football coach and a football team, keeping track of all those players every single day, every single minute, is it, damn near impossible. But, you know, when it continues to happen over and over again, I think there's some issues there, and I think there's some issues at the top of this Michigan State football program. That being said, on the field, uh, they're a team you can never count out, you know, and, and they're very Jekyll and Hyde last year, and can they correct that this year? You know, we'd see them just get uh, pulverized in a game last year and then turn around and play like national championship material. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, they've got a, a kid at quarterback, uh, you know, who was uh, should have probably been an Ohio State recruit, but uh, is playing to Michigan State, a guy at Lima, Ohio. Uh, you know, they've got some returning guys on defense, but again, they, can they keep the off the field problems at bay? And I really think that's what hurt this football team last year. You had a lot of guys uh, who were either kicked off the team or suspended because of their off the field problems. So, uh, you know, to me, can you get this group back together? Can you correct some of the problems off the field? And can you get the not only talented guys on the football team, but guys who are good guys who can be leaders? And I think that's one of the things that this Michigan State team lacked last year was good guys who can be leaders on the football team. So, if they can get that turned around, uh, you know, they're definitely always in the conversation. But, you know, if not, if they have another Jekyll and Hyde year, they definitely like to play spoiler, and they do that uh, that role very well uh, as well. Rick, uh, what are your thoughts on Michigan State Spartans? Yeah, to me they're a lot like Wisconsin with just that they're not really exciting to watch, but they're a really tough team, and I can't ever figure them out because they have these great years. They only lose two or three games, and they win – uh, they win their bowl game no matter who it's, who it's against, basically. But at the same time, you know, Tommy and you watched this game last year together, that Wings place there in Avon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got yep. rolled by Notre Dame like 44-10. to 10. So they have games like that. And then – but we're still talking about them at the end, beating teams like Washington State, which has had a hell of a year last year. So uh, I always consider uh, compare like D'Antonio to Nick Saban. I think they're really similar. Yeah, I think they were even coaches together. Or D'Antonio was a it is a Saban disciple. I, I can't. I think Saban was the uh, Mo. You probably helped me out with this. What Saban, the head coach at Michigan State at one time, and Antonio was underneath him. So yeah, I think he, it, that yeah, might be, yeah yeah. So I think it's that same philosophy uh, that Michigan State runs, and that's what keeps them competitive. All right, guys, we've got to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. But real quickly, uh, round the horn, thumbs up, thumbs down. Obviously, I'm an IU alum. We like IU. We love IU. Even if you don't lie about it and say you do. Rick, thumbs up, thumbs down for IU this year. 
Uh, I will give him thumbs up because I like what the new head coach is doing. But with the way uh, Purdue is progressing forward, uh, I think Purdue's just uh, a little uh, is ahead of them as past IU. But I'll, I'll give him a thumbs up. Mo, thumbs up, thumbs down, Indiana Hoosiers. Well, I'm going to say neither. I'm going to give them thumbs in the middle. I, I think that they have a, a record uh, that's probably an even record enough to make it to another bowl game. I think they have made uh, steps in the right direction. Uh, it's, they they lead uh, you know big name programs early on. They just have to learn how to uh, keep those leads going in the second half and into the game. But uh, I think thumbs in the middle this year. They they do enough to make a bowl game. Well, I'm definitely going to give them a thumbs up. Obviously, went to a bowl game last year. I think I agree with both of you guys are going to get to a bowl game this year. We're still not in the conversation of them being in any type of playoff uh, position, but certainly always good when IU can get to the 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 uh, um, the, the uh, bowl game. So thumbs up for me. Maybe in today's show, in honor of, of Jimmy G, we should uh, use the um, – the penis up or the penis down, but uh, we won't, we won't, we won't do that. Right? <laughs> I had to get one more jab oh in God. there. I had to get one more jab <laughs> in there. All right, guys, Rick, uh, Mo, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Uh, you can find uh, my work uh, today watching Jimmy D's new girlfriend and in interracial big booty battle at Mo Radio. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, Mo, uh, thanks uh, for keeping us up uh, to date on the titles of Jimmy G's uh, girlfriend's uh, movies. Great. Uh, I love it. Uh, parents uh, banging the babysitter eight. That's That was the best. Uh, Rick uh, Rick Reagan, our executive producer uh, and uh, all-around good guy, calling in from Evansville, Indiana. Rick, what's, uh, where can people find you and your masterpieces, sir? Uh, it's at uh, Rick and underscore Rick. Twitter, and then uh, yeah, I was henchman number two in the uh, epic movie of uh, Mommy, Me, and a Gangster. So, <laughs> Mommy, Me, and Jimmy a Gangster. Girlfriend. Star Jimmy G's girlfriend, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's your homework. Watch Jimmy G's girlfriend in at least one movie uh, this week, and, and come back and report on it next week, guys. My name is Tom Mark with Sal Presidente. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We'll see you next week right here on the Balance Radio Network. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.